Hail Dictinus, grant us clear voices, strong sound, and good reads. Only animals were not expelled from paradise. Welcome to Storytelling Magical Animals, the 259th episode of Three Pagans and a Cat. Our opening today is courtesy of Czech and French novelist Milan Kundera. Our opening and closing music is credited as Frostwaltz Alternate by Kevin McLeod of Incompetech.com and licensed under Creative Commons by Attribution 4.0. You may call me Ode. Merry meet. My name is Gwyn. I'm Ode's mother. And it's all about animals today. All about animals. But we are first going to start with housekeeping. Yes, we are. Which has no animals in it. <laughs> Not a single one. But I do want to announce that Convocation 2024, the event yes. that takes place in Ann Arbor, Ypsilanti, from February 22nd through the 25th, the they hotel have, have, is sold out. They've booked the hotel, as they've, we told the, you that they would. Yeah, they compl- and it's exciting that they've done that mm-hmm. because, you know, with COVID and all that. And it, switching to a new hotel. Switching to a new hotel. You know, there was always kind of a question hanging in the air. How it would do. How it would go. But, oh, my God, they have sold it out. They do have an alternate site. Yep, they uh, have an overflow An hotel. overflow site. So um, if you want to go, get your tickets. Uh, you can go online and register. You can find out information and, and book the uh, your room in the Overflow Hotel. And it also has a uh, rate. They have, yeah, a special yep. rate there as well. But, but do the, that now. Do that now if you you're going to go. out of time. But the cool thing is at the hotel where it's, the event is being held, it's completely booked with pagans. There's not, there, there are no other. Reportedly. Reportedly, there are no other guests that are going to be there that weekend. So it which should will, be a really nice time. Which should be a fun change from the previous hotel where there is another convention, convention that meets at the same time and that we're always overlapping with. Yeah. So apparently that won't be happening anymore. Nope, nope. So we're very excited for them and we can't wait to hear how it goes. Is that it for housekeeping? That's it for me. Then we are house kept and house swept. Yay! Yay! So we're doing a storytelling episode. Yes, we are. Uh, and our theme is magical animals. Yes, it is. Gwen, you want to start? Sure. I believe we each have three this time. Yes, we do. I focused on magical birds Ooh, okay. for my stories. So I found three that I hope everybody enjoys. I really like them all. So, <laughs> Okay. So the first story comes from Ireland, and it is called The Children of Lear. Once long ago... There was a great lord whose name was Lear. Now, he was a good man, but he got passed over to become the king. And he was very annoyed by this, very upset. Mm-hmm. And he he had decided he was not going to swear fealty to the new king because Uh-oh. he was offended that he was not chosen. Uh-oh. Luckily, <laughs> the new king was wise and good as well. And so in order to make peace, he offered the hand of his daughter to Lear. Her name was Eve. And when Lear looked upon her, he saw that she was very fair. And so he agreed to take her as his wife. Peace was struck between Between. the two. They were merged through marriage. I was going to say, so like there wasn't the fealty bond, but there was the marriage bond. There was a marriage bond between the two lands. Okay. And so life was good for for both the king and for Lear and Eve. In fact, Lear and Eve turned out to be very well matched. And they fell in love, and they created a happy home, and then they had four children. Okay. The two oldest were twin sons. Then they had a daughter. But sadly, upon the birth of the fourth child, Eve died. 
And so the happy home that they had built together, the love that they had shared with their children, sadly, it was changed now that she was gone. But Lear, because he was a good man and a good father, he cherished and loved his children. He lavished them with his love and his attention. He was both mother and father to them. And the king himself, who was their grandfather, mm -hmm. he also lavished them with love and attention. And the two of them together were working to raise these children. Now, did the fourth child live or die? No, the fourth child lived. Okay, okay. So there are four children. There are four children. Okay. And they grew strong and beautiful and lovely. And everybody thought they were just wonderful children. And so eventually, once, you know, time had, some time had passed, mm -hmm. the good king offered the hand of his second daughter to Lear. And, okay. okay. To continue the bond of family between their two realms. Okay, so the children's aunt. Yes. The children's aunt became their stepmother. Okay. Unfortunately, she was a very selfish and jealous woman totally unlike her sister Eve. Oh, no. In fact, she was so jealous of the attention that her father, and especially Lear, gave to these children, she concocted a plan to get rid of them. How can you be jealous of your nieces and nephews? I know! <laughs> your nie these sweet, beautiful children. And so what she did, she, you see, she had some magic. She had learned some magic and she decided one day to take the four children down to the lake in the guise that, you know, they were going to go swimming. Go have a bonding go activity. Go have a bonding activity. But rather as, than have this bonding activity, as soon as the children were in the water, she cast a spell and transformed each child into a swan. Oh. However... For some reason, she thought, well, they were beautiful and they were Lear's children. She decided to allow them to keep their dignity and their voices and their regalness as swans. But she cursed them to live 900 years. They would be bound to the first lake they were at for 300 of those years. And then she named another lake that they had to go to and further away for, for another, another 300. 300. And then a, finally an island where they had to live for 300 years and they could not leave those spots. And one of the reasons she gave them their voice was so that they could sing. And one of the things that they did when she left them there and they realized they could never be humans again, they sang a song of lament and loss. And it was the most beautiful song people had ever heard. Woman makes some choices. Right? So she goes back to her husband and then she goes back to visit her father and they're kind of like, the <laughs> where are the children? Uh -huh. And neither Lear nor her father really believed her excuses. Mm -hmm. And Lear was so devastated over the loss of his children. He went to the spot where she said she had last saw the children, mm -hmm. last seen them. And he found four swans. And, and he, he was, was like, hmm. He was standing there lamenting and sad. Mm -hmm. And then the children spoke to him. And he realized that these were his children. That was a real, transformed. That was a real dumbass mistake for her to make. Yes, they were. <laughs> he realized these were her chil his children. 
transformed as swans, and he was devastated. And so were the people of his realm and you know his land. And uh -huh. so they would come to the to the water, and they would talk to the children, and they would listen to them uh -huh. sing. But over time, of course. They had to remain for 300 years. Uh -huh, yeah, so everyone who knows them dies. Yes, everyone died. And eventually they were allowed to leave. To a and different To lake. go to the different place. And they stayed there for 300 years. And over time they're watching as the land is changing. The culture they knew is changing. Another religion is coming in and replacing the one that they had known. And then they finally go to their third location. They are there for their 300 years. And then finally, they are allowed to come on shore when they see a priest. And as soon as their feet touch the shore, they are transformed from swans into three aged men and one aged woman. Ah. So old that they almost immediately fall down to their deaths. And the priest who sees this wonder mm -hmm. feels pity for this, this strange phenomenon that he has seen and buries the children. And to this day, there is a statue with a swan in memory of the children of Lear. That story's pretty fucked up. Right? <laughs> and that's just there's one a, version of it. I was going to say, there's, an, there's definitely been a Christianization oh, yeah. there of, was, at the end there. Yeah, but, uh, I believe in one version, it's actually it's actually princess, mm -hmm. an Irish princess who changes yeah. them back, who touches them and changes them back. Yeah. It's very fucked up. Yeah. Very fucked up. And also, that woman had the dumbest plan. Right? I, I, yes, I saw them at this specific lake, the lake where she's bound them forever for, <laughs> for the next 300 years. Yep. There are four swans, just like the four children that I lost there. Don't worry about it. Don't think about Don't it. Worry. Don't worry. The swans it's can fine. speak fine. with your children's voices and are cogent and have the ability to rat me out. But just don't listen. Like, oh, how I, did she think this would go? I did forget to mention she does get her comeuppance. I am sure she fucking does. When her father found out what she had done, and he himself had some magic, ah, uh -huh. he cursed her to become a demon of the air, where she remained. I think he could have done better than that. <laughs> I think death would have done it. Because <laughs> now she also gets to be immortal. She does. That's true. I don't know. That just seems like a weak punishment to me. <laughs> Elsa's the king to his new wife. So I went to the lake today, saw something interesting. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I just can't believe she told him the exact spot where she left them, specifically bound for three hundred years. It was it wasn't smart. No. The thing is, she it's actually really cruel because she, she allows them. them well, and, and, and she, with their voices, so yeah. she let them so they could specifically rat her out. <laughs> That, yes, definitely. But also, it's it was weird. I'm going to curse you for 900 years, but I'll let you keep your voices and your brain. Right. You know, I, you don't just have to live as a wild as a swan. swan. Weird plan this woman had. I know. Weird, bad plan. And there actually is a statue at the final, sure, yeah. at the final location yeah. where they are reported mm -hmm. to have changed so, to humans. Yeah, come on, sure. Stupid, dumb woman. <laughs> I don't know what the fuck her plan was, but it went real bad. Mm-hmm. It did. Jeez. All right. Well, I also have a story about swans because swans are very common in... Uh, yeah, they are. ...in folklore motifs. So I'll go ahead and do that one now. The Tale of the Swan Knight. Ooh. Yeah. So we start with a young lord who is hunting in the woods like you do when you are a young lord. 
Um, no name for this young lord. He's just the young lord. So he's hunting around in the woods and he comes upon uh, a lovely glade with a pond. And he's like, oh good, I've been hunting and I haven't caught anything and I'm just hot and tired and I'm just going to take a bath. <laughs> <laughs> um, but as he approaches this pond, he sees it is already occupied by a mysterious woman he has never seen before mm -hmm. who is wearing only a golden chain around her neck Ooh. and nothing else. Ooh. And he's like, oh, hello, ma'am. <laughs> <laughs> Am uh, I interrupting you? Right? Like, uh, sorry, excuse me. Should I avert didn't, my eyes? Didn't know this was your pond. But he woos her and she is fascinated by him and they lay together and he's like, well, now that we've done this, I have to take you home and marry you. Yeah, like so, you do. And she says, all right, that's fine with me. I don't have anything going on. <laughs> <laughs> sure. Uh -huh. Absolute stranger. Uh -huh. And he's like, uh, wonderful. Where are your clothes? And she's like, oh, I don't have any. And he's like, oh, well, were you robbed? And she's like, no. Just like the bare naked. Just, I just, I'm just, this is me. I have this beautiful chain and that's all I have. <laughs> uh and he says, okay, great. So he wraps her up in his cloak and he brings her home and he marries her and he gets her presumably some very fine clothes. And his mother, by the way, hates this. Well, I can kind of his, understand. His mother, the, the queen mother, does not approve. I, I kind of understand. You, if you just go into the woods and marry strange women you find in ponds, that is not how we establish a royal dynasty, son. No, no. <laughs> so she, Golden chain exact, notwithstanding. Exactly. So... Unfortunately, because they've already slept together, she can't do anything about it. Mm -hmm. um, she, she can't interfere in this marriage. So she has to go ahead and let them get married. And as you would expect, uh, because it's a fairy tale, they had sex that one time and that was all they needed. She is knocked up. <laughs> of course. You know, the, the appointed time goes by and they have septuplets, I think, actually. Se they have seven. seven. They have seven children. Six boys and a girl. That's a lot of babies all at once. It is. It is a lot of children. Usually but takes fertility drugs. The the young, well. Or mythology. Who knows, who knows what's up? <laughs> uh, maybe it was a very special pond. Um, <laughs> while she's giving birth, the young lord is away on oh. important business elsewhere in the kingdom. So she is giving birth alone at home. With the mean mother-in-law. mean queen mother, yes. Who kills her. <gasps> oh my God. And has all the babies put into a basket and says, take these to the woods and leave them exposed to die. Jesus Christ. And I thought my <laughs> stepmother was bad. She's not stepmother. She's a mother-in-law. Well, I know, but, <laughs> but yeah, still. Yes. So yeah, she has, Jesus. All, she has all the seven babies piled into a basket and given to a minion and sent it out into the woods to be disposed of. And oh. she kills the mother. And when her son comes home, she tells him, uh, I don't know where you found this girl, but she gave birth to a litter of snakes and they bit her and she died. Oh my God. <laughs> okay. This is, this is what she tells the, the young lord. And uh, he is very distraught. Obviously. And not at all sure he believes this. Would you? But there are no children and his wife is dead. So he supposes he just, and there's no evidence of anything. So he supposes he just has to let this stand for now. So As he, if he can trust yeah, his mother. So, so he buries his wife. But yes, his relationship with his mother has grown, you might say, strained. <laughs> <laughs> a little. Uh -huh. a, a, a little strained. But he buries his wife and he tries to get on with the business of, you know, ruling his kingdom. 
just sort of pushes to the side the issue of like, well, at some point here, I guess I'll have to marry someone else and have some heirs. Um, but he is not making that his first priority because, you know, mourning. Right, right. So a couple of years go by, uh, three or four years go by, five or six years go by. He still hasn't married anyone. His mother is starting to get a little pushy about it. Of and course. Straining things even further. So to get away from her and her constant sort of picking and poking and prodding about, you know, oh, there's mm. this lovely princess, you should blah, blah, blah. Um, he goes hunting. Because that's a, man, that's a man's thing. He can go do that and be away from his mother and she won't, you know, try to follow him out to the woods. Can't say I blame him. Uh-huh, yeah, exactly. So he goes hunting and, you know, he's still mourning his, his lost wife. So he goes to the same woods where he met her mm-hmm. um, to see if he can find that pond again and just remember yeah. her. Well, lost wife and lost children. Lost, I mean, yeah, well, lost he, entire he, family. He doesn't know anything about the children. Well, he doesn't true. know how many just... His mother just said litter of snakes. Yeah. <laughs> Fair. So so he's going um, to see if he can find that pond again. Okay. And so he's poking around in the woods. And he does eventually find the pond. And in the pond, a bunch of children. A whole passel of little children with golden chains around their necks. Hmm. And he says, this is suspicious. <laughs> Who are you children? They tell him their names, which they've come up with themselves. And... He asks where they're from, and they say, well, we're from here. We've always lived here forever. <laughs> <laughs> and he says, okay, that's mm, intriguing. How about you come to me, to my castle, and live there? And they say, no, we couldn't possibly. We live here. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and when he tries to push, they all scatter off into the woods. And he can't track them down because there's seven of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he goes home and tells uh, all his servants, like, keep an eye out for children in the woods. Naked children with gold chains. Naked children wearing gold chains. If you find those children, bring them to me. Mm -hmm. So, of course, his mother hears that there are seven children with golden chains around their necks. Running around the woods. woods. This poses a problem. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Perhaps they will grow more talkative with time. (laughs) (laughs) This could be an issue. They're already weird little, you know, she doesn't know how they survived in the woods. Maybe they're little evil goblin children who know that she killed their mother. (laughs) So she gets her minion, who originally sent them out into the woods, and she's like, what did you do with the basket full of babies? And he's like, well, I put it in a pond. Because that's what you do with baby things you want to get rid of. You drown them. So like puppies, I put them in a pond. And she says, well, it didn't fucking work. (laughs) Go into the woods and kill the children. Find them. Vicious. Get rid of them. (laughs) So the minion goes out into the woods. And he's, you know, hunting around for them. They're naked children wearing golden chains. They can't be that hard to find, right? You'd think. So he, you know, pokes around. And eventually he finds his way back to this pond. That he drowned the babies in. But on the pond are six swans. And he says, interesting, but not children. But there is one child, a little girl, wearing her little golden necklace. And she's guarding a little collection of six other golden necklaces. Mm. And he says, interesting. I'm going to take those. (laughs) So he scares the girl away. He chases her away. And swipes all the necklaces. And as all the swans come swarming around him, he runs out of the woods and escapes. Okay. Um, and goes back to the queen and says, 
I think I've figured out why they all have these necklaces. <laughs> I think they turn into swans. Mm -hmm. So I think that's how they survived. I think somehow they got out of the basket and lost their necklaces and turned into birds and survived as birds in the wild. And now they can transform back into human children when they have these chains. But I have taken most of them. The queen mother says, okay, I'll take birds. Birds we can shoot. I don't even let them live as birds. No. <laughs> she says, no, hunting swans is a perfectly acceptable, noble pastime. Oh, jeez. So we'll just have to worry about the one that got away. But in the meantime, take these golden chains to uh, the goldsmith and have them melted down and made into a cup for me, just to make sure. Oh, wow. Um, that we can just kill all these swans and there will be no chance of them turning back she's into, an into evil. boys. She's an evil queen. She's a bad, bad queen, yes. I bet um, she's mean to her people, too. <laughs> yeah, well, they don't get into it, but presumably, <laughs> yes. <laughs> can, can only imagine. The sister, who still has her golden chain, mm -hmm. realizes... Uh, that this human man who came to their home has taken it away. Mm -hmm. And so she's going to have to go get these golden chains back, obviously. Obviously. So, and all of her brothers are stuck as swans, so she has to be the one to do it. The hunters are constantly being sent into the woods now, being told to go hunt swans mm -hmm. and to look for little children mm -hmm. <laughs> by the queen mother and the king, respectively. Right. So she starts, she follows the hunters back to the castle and she starts sneaking around trying to find her brother's golden chains. And... She just can't figure out how to navigate this big, stupid castle or where they would have kept something so important. And finally, by accident, she ends up in the throne room because this seems like where you keep important things and particularly things that are made of gold. Mm -hmm. And the king sees her, immediately zeroes in and is like, that's one of the children with the golden chains. <laughs> Come here, little child. What are you doing here? What can I do for you? Do you would you like a gift? <laughs> Please tell me words that explain what the fuck is going on with you. He seems like a decent guy. Mm -hmm. And she explains that some other evil man came and stole the necklaces, the golden chains of her brothers who have been turned into swans because they can't change back without their necklaces. And also... Even more evil men keep trying to shoot them with arrows. <laughs> <laughs> and the king, finally putting a couple of dots together, says, These must be my fucking children with my wife. My wife was a swan maiden. I didn't know that. And while I was away... She died, and my mother threw my children into the woods, and they have grown up as swan children. <laughs> He's not a stupid man. He's not. No, he put it together. He put all he put all the pieces together, and he Good goes for to, him. He goes to his mother, and he says, "What did you do?" And he brings the little girl with the, the golden chain with her. He says, "Look, this is my daughter. See, look, observe the resemblance. She has my eyes, and she can turn into a swan like apparently my wife could." So he finally gets his mother to confess uh, that, yes, she did this. Obviously, she says she was right because his his wife was not a mortal woman. She was some sort of bird creature. So it was correct to kill her. You can't have that in the royal dynasty. He does not appreciate this. No. He has her bring in her minion and he has the minion tell him, what have you done with the, the golden chains? Uh, and it turns out that the goldsmith he gave them to couldn't melt them down. 
That's because they're magic they're necklaces. Yes, they, they refused to be melted down. But he did damage one Uh-oh. in the process of trying everything he could to melt them down so that he could he could remake them. So he has the, the sister go uh, with uh, guards uh, to go retrieve her swan brothers <laughs> and bring them back to the castle. So they get all the swan brothers and they bring them back. And he distributes the little the golden chains to each of them. Um, and they turn into little boys. Uh, except, for the, of course, the one. there is one where the chain is damaged. So he puts that sort of hopefully around the swan's neck and nothing happens. Um, the, the swan remains a swan. As punishment, of course, he has his mother executed and Good. the minion executed and the goldsmith who damaged the, the chain executed. Good. And he raises his children as best he can alone hmm. um, with the knowledge that they are sometimes swans. And, of course... There is the one child. child who is just stuck as a swan. The children all go on to do great things with their lives. Um, one of them, of course, succeeds him as the king. But one brother is very attached to their swan brother, who, you know, obviously doesn't get to, you know, learn sums and English and things because he's a bird. Mm-hmm. Um, and he decides he, he will not be parted from his swan brother. He will stay with him always and they will they will work together to better the world and to make sure that things like this don't happen again. Mm-hmm. So he becomes a knight and he takes up the mantle of the swan knight and he establishes a taboo that no one can ever ask him his name, just the swan knight. And his brother, the swan brother, tows his boat with a length of damaged golden chain mm-hmm. um, and they travel around the kingdom, uh, through the waterways, saving damsels in distress. And every time someone asks his name, he immediately gets back onto his boat and goes on to the next problem. I like that story's ending. Yeah. It's a much more hopeful ending than mine. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, there's the one brother who doesn't get to be a human again, but it's okay. He has has his his swan knight brother and they, together, they... uh, They save the world. Yeah, they do good deeds throughout the land. That's very cool. I like that. Yeah. (laughs) Join our Tiger Crystal at Apothecary Teas. This shop produces fragrant, aesthetically beautiful teas that delight all the senses with handcrafted tea blends from white to red to green. This week, Ode suggests blueberry mojito with gunpowder green tea, spearmint, blueberries, blue cornflower, blackberry, and lime. Find them at apothecaryteastore.com or on Facebook at Apothecary Teas LLC. Hail Dictinus! Hail Dictinus! All right. So, Gwen, what is your next story? Okay. So, my next story is about a very familiar bird to most people who like mythology, mm-hmm. and it is a phoenix. Ooh. So, once long ago, at the beginning of creation, there was a beautiful bird, gorgeous, colorful plumes, not unlike a peacock, okay, or perhaps an eagle. And it was very long-lived. It flew around it living living in paradise and all was beautiful and all was wonderful. And after a thousand years, it got totally bored. (laughs) Just living in paradise. That's fair. It's understandable. So the bird decided to leave paradise and go into the mortal world to see what adventures it could seek there. 
What do they get up to down there? What do they get up to? And so it flew around and it observed and another thousand years went by. And again, still bored, still bored. So finally, the bird decided to land and to build a nest and watched the sunrise. Now, the sky god, the sun god, as he was flying across the, the sky during the day, he, he heard a beautiful song and it was kind of mournful. He didn't know what that song was and so he stopped. And there he saw this beautiful, colorful bird in this nest just singing with such beauty, but such sadness. And he was amazed and thought, hmm, but then went along his way. He was amazed and thought, hmm. (laughs) (laughs) That's an interesting sight. (laughs) And went along his way. But as he was restarting his chariot, a tiny drop of flame Uh fell down and landed on the bird's nest. And the bird's nest went up Mm -hmm, in flame, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. destroying both the nest and the bird. And the bird. But three days later, from the ashes, this bird reappeared. And so it lived and continued to live. Another thousand years to continue being bored. (laughs) Thousand years continuing to be bored. However, it was said that this bird's tears could heal wounds illnesses. And it was also said that any person attempting to lie in its presence, they wouldn't be able to tell the lie. And so presumably it would go around for a thousand years doing, and then eventually it's after a thousand years, its nest explodes into flame and it returns. Continue being bored. (laughs) Living forever. All right. (laughs) In its immortal life. Doesn't seem to be a fan of that immortal life. Finn says, fuck that. I don't want to be a phoenix. Yeah, it doesn't sound like it's having a a great time. I have, finally getting away from birds, uh, I have a story about Goldenhorn. This is a story from Slovenia. There was a little village in the mountains where a hunter fell in love with a local girl, like you do was trying to woo her and he was trying to impress her so he went all around the mountains and he found these you know wildflowers and he picked the prettiest ones and he brought Mm. them to her and he said please will you be mine and she was you know so charmed that he put in all this work got her all these flowers that she said okay sure we can date (laughs) (laughs) but a season goes by and a wealthy merchant comes into town and he starts wooing the same girl Uh uh-oh but this time with gold and jewelries and fancy dancing. And she's much more impressed by that than she was by flowers. Poor choice. Uh Uh-huh. So the hunter is rejected. Well, effectively is cheated on. Mm. (laughs) Um, And is, and is, uh, when he, when he goes to protest is told, well, you can't bring me golden jewels, can you? He says, no, but I brought you flowers. You liked the flowers. But she rejects him and despondent, he goes to his friends to, Lament. No, of course. And one of his friends is a boy called the Green Hunter. Um, and I don't know if that means green as in like he wears the color green or green as in like inexperienced. But he tends to get his friends in trouble. Oh boy. The Green Hunter does. And he tells our protagonist that he's heard that there is a particular quarry on the mountain called Goldenhorn who is a pure white 
Ibex, which is a kind of goat, with extravagant golden horns, and that the that golden horn guards a treasure. So if you can hunt golden horn and get the treasure, you can get your girl back. <laughs> and, okay. And our protagonist is, of course, lovesick and desperate to get his girl back. So Bro. he takes the green hunter's ill-advised <sighs> suggestion. Let her go, man. Yes. It's not worth it. So, and he brings the green hunter with him, right? Mm-hmm. Like, you, well, okay, well, I'll do this, but you're coming along since you're the one who knows this story. So they go up into the mountains and they trek around for a while and they finally catch like a glimmer, a glint in the distance. So they go chasing that. Eventually, through many twisty-turny paths, they catch a sight of a white ibex with golden horns. And they immediately shoot it (laughs) with arrows. This... This is not going to end well. No. This is not enough to kill Goldenhorn. Goldenhorn is, however, grievously wounded and takes off. So now the chase is on. And they're chasing Goldenhorn through the mountains, up and down, really narrow paths because it's a kind of goat. So, Mm -hmm. of course, it has the tremendous ability to navigate steep trails. Mm -hmm. And eventually Goldenhorn drags himself up to a very narrow, very slim ledge that would be extremely difficult for either of them to follow him onto. The green hunter notices there are some really beautiful flowers up there on that ledge. I bet those are magic flowers. Don't let him eat them. Get up there and get him before he eats those magic flowers. And then you can bring magic flowers and the golden horns treasure to your girl. She liked the flowers the first time. She wants the treasure. If you can bring her flowers and treasure, you'll definitely get her back. Okay. Uh huh. So our protagonist starts trying to climb up. Oh boy. To this ledge, and in the meantime, Goldenhorn does indeed eat the flowers mm-hmm. and is immediately healed. So they of, are magic. They flowers. are magic flowers. Is immediately healed of all wounds. Oh boy. And is filled with life and vigor, and charges down the slope at the hunter who's trying to climb up to him. Fair play, man. Uh-huh, Fair yeah. play. Yeah, he's been chased all up and down these exactly. mountains. Goldenhorn absolutely deserves. Absolutely. (laughs) This turnabout. Absolutely. Um, And our hunter is blinded by the flashing light reflecting off of Golden Horn's Golden Horns and loses his grip before Golden Horn even hits him and careens down the mountain to his death. Oh, that's very sad. And the green hunter scurries away. Because, like like all idiots of these kind, it's never his own problem. Nope. Scurries away back to the to the town and never admits that he had any part in this. And Goldenhorn continues to guard his treasure, the healing flowers on the mountain. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. Mm-hmm. Stupid hunter. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Stupid hunter. Oh, my God. Bad decisions were made there. All round. Bad decisions all round. Mercy. And then presumably the girl marries the merchant. Presumably. <laughs> she had already moved on. Yeah, she was, it was like, bro, you know, she's not worth it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Do you have another? I do, and yes, I'm sorry, guys, it's another bird story, <laughs> but it's not a swan. It's not a phoenix. Okay. What, what is it? It is a story from Asia Ooh. called The Crane Wife. Ooh. So, there was a man who was out in the field one day. He was doing his work. Mm -hmm. 
when doing he, field things. Doing field things. When he happened to see that there was an injured crane in the field. And he took pity on the creature and picked the bird up, took it back to his home, dressed its wounds, nursed it back to health. And then finally, when he knew the bird was strong enough to continue on and to mm -hmm. live, he released it back into the field where he found it. That's a good man. Mm-hmm. Very good man. I respect it. Mm-hmm. Very good man. Very kind man. Mm -hmm. And uh, he was actually a weaver, but he was having difficulties with his work, so he had started doing things, you know, like growing right. and things like that. Um, but after he had turned around and was heading back to his home, and as he was entering his doorstep, suddenly a beautiful woman comes walking toward him out of the field. And she is so lovely and so beautiful. And he just immediately is falling in love with her. Like you do. Like you do. He asks her to marry him. <laughs> right there. <laughs> and she agrees. Right there in the field. <laughs> right there on his doorstep. And so all goes well for a while. They're, they they love each other. You know, he is doing his, his he's creating fabrics and, mm -hmm. and doing the things, weaving and doing what he does and working out in the field when he has to. And But eventually he falls on hard times and he's not able to, to sell his his wares. Nothing is working for him. And they're, they're having a difficult time making a living. Mm -hmm. So one day, his wife tells her husband she can bring them out of poverty by weaving a bolt of wondrous cloth, nothing like he's ever seen before, and that people will definitely want to buy it, and they'll have money, and they will no longer be poor. He says, okay, let's do this. She said, excellent. There's just one catch. <laughs> you can't watch me do it. Uh-huh. Uh, just let me go make my my fabric. Right. Don't weave. ask how I don't did ask it. how I weave it. Don't ask how it happens. But just let me go into my room privately. I'll create the fabric and bring it back to you to sell. And so he says, "Okay, let's give it a try." Right. What? Nothing what the else hell? is working. Nothing else is working. So she goes into the room, closes the door, and when she comes back out, she has weaved a cloth so luxurious that it is immediately sold for a tremendous price. And the man and his wife become very rich. And so she continues with this practice. She makes this beautiful cloth, he goes and sells it, and they have more than enough money to meet their needs. Mm -hmm. However, the man grows greedy and he pressures her to make more and more and more cloth, no, never mind the fact that they've got more money than they can actually, you know, probably spend in a year. They're mm -hmm. doing very well, but he just wants more and more and more like you do. Mm -hmm. And so finally, his wife grows tired of the constant having to weave and is pressuring her and she becomes ill. She is unable to continue doing this. And even as she's like lying there, Unable mm -hmm. to work. Sick. Sick. He's still pressuring her to make more cloth. Mm -hmm. Finally, at death's door, she tells her husband she can only make one more bolt of cloth. So that night, 
she goes off into the room to make this final bolt of cloth. And this is the time the husband decides it's time to learn what her secret is. Mm -hmm. He wants to know what it is she's doing, how she creates this cloth. So when he's spying through the door, the window, looking in to see what it is she is doing, he is absolutely horrified to see a crane at the loom plucking feathers from her own breast and weaving them into the magical cloth. He cries aloud and he and the wife turns and sees that, that uh, he has discovered her secret and he's broken her pro- his promise to her. So she flies away mm-hmm. and he's heartbroken and, and devastated and he spends the rest of his lo- life lamenting his lost love. Many mistakes were made here. Mm-hmm. Crane man, man fucked up every way he possibly could have. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Lost love or lost fortune, says Amara. Both, really. Lost love and lost fortune. Yep. Fucked it up just spectacularly. And it's really sad because he starts the story as very mm-hmm. kind, yeah, very, very gentle, man. very good man. But, you know, money. He's corrupted by he greed. He gets corrupted. Join our tiger Amanda and relax with the salts of Wonderful Body Co. These soaks and scrubs, inspired by popular books and characters, are designed to delight multiple senses with fragrant scents and sparkling mica. You can also find rollerball fragrances, hair oils, perfume, and wax melts. With dozens of options available, you're sure to find something you like in the Wonderful Body Co. collection. This week, I am recommending the Lavender Dreams Lotion. Find Wonderful Body Co. online at wonderfulbodyco.com or go directly to the shop at etsy.com slash shop slash wonderfulbodyco. I think I'm going to have to get me some lavender lotion. Mm -hmm. Hail Dictinus. Hail Dictinus. Let me make smoke. So my last story is called The King of Nine Mountains. Um, That's how it's usually titled. And it starts with a man who's already greedy. So this is the tale of Lee. Who, uh, it's a Chinese story, and Li is the most wealthy man with the largest family, and he, you know, he has mm-hmm. had great success in his life in his entire region, right? So he's he's got a big house filled with filled with all of his relatives, and he owns a lot of land around that he's some of it he's not even using. He's so rich he just doesn't even need to use it. He just has it. Mm-hmm. It just belongs to him. So one day, an old man comes to Lee and asks to rent one of his empty lots. And Lee says, why on earth would you want, there's no house there for you to, to live in, you idiot. No, you can't rent an empty spa- an empty plot of land. Mm-hmm. And the old man says, no, no, assures him he'll be perfectly content with the the land. He doesn't need a house to be on it. He'll he will live perfectly well, very comfortably there, and he's willing to give Lee a hundred pieces of gold as his rent. Mm-hmm. And Lee says, "Well, I mean, a hundred pieces of gold is a hundred pieces of gold. If you think you can live on dirt, then go for it. Yes, give me the gold, and you can live on this land." And so they exchange. They have the exchange of money. And the old man goes away very, very pleased with himself. And Lee goes out the next day to see if this old man has, you know, like died in the night or something. Who knows? He's apparently sleeping out there on the on the ground. And he discovers there is a mansion on this empty lot that oh. he has rented to the old man. Okay. Just fully constructed, occupied 
lit and decorated mansion, as if it's been there this whole time. Uh, and the old man comes to the door and says, Mr. Lee, it's so good to see you. Thank you so much for, for renting to us as our landlord. Please come in and join us for dinner. And Lee says, uh, okay, <laughs> sure, I should probably investigate what the fuck is going on in here. Mm -hmm. So he comes inside, and the old man shows him around and introduces him to all these people who are in this mansion, and it's an extravagant mansion. With wine jars lining all the halls, and there's the sweet smell of fresh tea, and beautiful lanterns, and wall hangings, it's... It's, it's nicer than his house, frankly. Mm -hmm. And he has a damn nice house. Mm -hmm. And so the old man is introducing him as, this is our wonderful landlord, Mr. Lee. Here are my daughters. Here are my sons. Here are my grandchildren. Come join us for dinner. And so Mr. Lee is very standoffishly greeting everyone. And he goes to dinner, eats the dinner. And it's a very fine dinner. It's nicer mm -hmm. than the food at his house, quite frankly. And Mr. Lee finally, you know, shows him out at the end of the night and thanks him again. And, of course, next month I will have another hundred pieces of gold for our rent. And Mr. Lee goes home and he thinks about this. And he concludes, those are foxes in disguise. Ah, mm -hmm. That whole house full of foxes. And they built a fox house on my land. <laughs> And Mr. Lee does not like foxes. Uh-oh. So he goes into town, and he spends some of his vast, vast wealth to buy sulfur and explosives. And he, in the night, plants a whole bunch of flammables around this extravagant mansion. Oh, dear. And blows it the fuck up. He lights it on fire. And he gets some boys down from the village to help him light it and to make sure nothing escapes from the house. Uh, and nothing does. And the whole thing burns down to the tune of horrific screaming. And when the flames have died down the next morning, he and the boys go walking through the remains of the house, counting all the dead foxes to make sure they got everyone. Because, of course, he met everyone while he was there at dinner. Mm -hmm. And so one dead fox, two dead fox, three dead kits, one dead fox, one dead fox. And he's just count tallying them up in his head to make sure he got them all. And he gets to the end of the house, and damn it, if there isn't missing one. And the old man appears. Oh, boy. And says, Mr. Lee, what the fuck? I paid you a hundred pieces of gold, which is not a small sum. For one month? For rent. If you so disliked us as tenants, you could have simply declined our rent next month and we would have left. What did we do to insult you? Did you not like the food? Were we rude when you came to our house? And Mr. Lee says, no, I just don't want foxes for neighbors. And Mr. Lee says, and for that, you have killed my entire family and I will return the favor. Goodbye. Oh boy. And turns into a fox and vanishes into the woods. But Mr. Lee isn't concerned. Because foxes can only do petty tricks. Oh, he, oh he's gonna <laughs> fuck around and find out. <laughs> he, has, he has fucked around profusely. <laughs> but he does not believe there will be a finding out. Because, like I said, foxes are petty little tricksters. 
He just, he's not afraid of them, he just doesn't like them. At most, he anticipates this old fox will throw bricks at his house for a few months and then die. So he just invests in a few dogs in case the fox comes around and he moves on with his life. Foolish Mr. Lee. Uh-huh. So several years go by and nothing of consequence happens. Oh, Grandpapa Fox <laughs> is playing the long game. The, the hounds never catch the fox, but likewise, nothing significant happens. There's no drama in his house. There's no little poltergeisty things happening. As far as he can tell, this cowardly old fox has just fled. But there are other problems in the area. For example, in the last several years, a lot of bandits have moved in. And this concerns him. One or two bandits is fine. A couple little bands here and there, whatever. They keep trade interesting. But this is a lot of bandits building up in the mountains, building sort of a bandit fortress. Mm -hmm. And that's concerning because when you get that many bandits together, they start to get cocky and think they can take whatever they want. And Mr. Lee has a lot of gold. Mm -hmm. He is a very, very rich man. And he doesn't want to lose any of that to bandits. Mm -hmm. So he starts acquiring more guards and keeping his ears open to things that are happening in the area. And one of the things that happens is that in a nearby city, an astrologer comes down from the mountains and claims to have been a hermit who has studied astrology all his life, and now he is coming to spread his knowledge to the people. <laughs> and he tells fortunes for the people in the city, and every fortune he tells is true. It comes true exactly as he says it will, no ifs, ands, or buts. So Mr. Lee, being very concerned about this whole bandits business, decides, okay, I'll have this astrologer come to my house, and I'll have him tell me what to do about the bandits. So he sends a messenger to bring the astrologer to his house, and the astrologer comes and says, very nice to meet you, Mr. Lee, what is your question? And Mr. Lee says, I want to know what to do about the bandits in the area to protect myself and my property. You know how you do those readings and the question they ask is not the one <laughs> that gets answered? Uh -huh. That's kind of what I'm getting the vibe of here. So the astrologer looks over Mr. Lee and he studies his charts and he says, oh, Mr. Lee, I'm so sorry I didn't recognize you. And he bows all the way to the floor kowtows. And he says, you are the true emperor. I should have seen it the moment I looked at you. Look at, you have the features of an emperor. You have the bearing of an emperor. You are the one destined to be the emperor over all of China. And Mr. Lee says, absolutely the fuck not I am. <laughs> Do not say bullshit like this to me. You're supposed to tell true fortunes. I am a very wealthy man, but I am not an emperor. Tell me what to do about the bandits. And the astrologer says, Emperor Lee, <laughs> there's only one thing you can possibly do about the bandits. You must make them your army so that you can retake your throne. <laughs> and Mr. Lee doesn't believe this, obviously. But it is an idea. Mm-hmm. I mean, if the bandits work for him, 
they won't steal from him. So even if he's not the emperor, he does have a lot of money. He could spend a little bit of it to get some bandits on his side to be his bandits. And then, you know, he can fire all these extra guards and, you know, it'll be a it'll be a savings in the long run. So he sends some messengers to the bandits to say, hey, what do you think about working for me? And the astrologer goes with them and says, I will have you know that Mr. Lee is the true emperor. I can prove it. I'm an astrologer. I do great fortunes. Do you have any concerns? So he does some astrology mm -hmm. for the bandits to prove that he only has true fortunes to tell. Mm -hmm. And the bandits are very impressed. And they say, well, if we can get behind an emperor, obviously all of our previous crimes will be absolved and mm -hmm. we can rejoin polite society. This sounds great. So the bandits come down the mountain and they agree to work for Mr. Lee. <laughs> and of course, they call him Emperor Lee because this is what the astrologer has told them. Of course. And Mr. Lee is not going to argue with the very nice, very well-armed, very violent men who now work for him. So sure, fine. He's Emperor Lee. <laughs> and now that he's got these bandits, he's got to keep them occupied. And so he asks the astrologer, well, what should I do with these bandits? Retake exactly. the fucking throne? Right, and the astrologer says, <laughs> you have to retake the throne, obviously. Emperor Lee, that is your destiny. And Emperor, Emperor Lee Emperor says, Lee. I don't want to do that. What can I do that's local? <laughs> <laughs> uh, and so the astrologer gives him some little tasks to do. And, you know, he does those things. And he sends his bandit army out and they raid and pillage and conquer territory and steal imperial horses and things and, you know, gather more wealth for him and spread the word of Emperor Lee far and wide. Of course. And, and you know, as this is proceeding and it's, it seems to be going quite well, Lee starts to get a little more confident. Like, you know, this astrologer does always seem to be right. And every time he's given me something to do, it's turned out well. They've come back with more more wealth for me. There's been no consequences. And he says that I'm the true emperor and I should retake the throne. So as time goes by and he gets more and more confident, eventually Lee declares himself the king of the nine mountains, because there are nine mountains mm -hmm. around their area. Declares himself the king of the nine mountains and declares that he will indeed be retaking the throne as the true emperor of China. Meanwhile, in the Imperial City, <laughs> they have started to notice that there are things going missing off in this area. Mm -hmm. Like a whole bunch of specially bred Imperial horses just disappeared. And tributes aren't coming in from over there. And so they send someone to see what the fuck is up. And someone comes back and says, there is a fucking usurper over there. <laughs> So the emperor, being a sensible individual, sends his whole fucking army. Mm -hmm. And it turns out, as Mr. Lee, Emperor Lee, discovers, looking down from his palace, mm -hmm. that... Air quotes, by the way. Uh -huh, air quotes palace from his very nice house. Um, as he looks out and sees the full might of the armies of the empire descending down from all nine of his mountains that uh, he does not have enough bandits to fight all of the armies of China. And so he turns to his astrologer and says, now what? And the astrologer turns into a fox 
whisks his tail at Mr. Lee and dashes off into the mountains, <laughs> leaving him and his entire family to their fates. Of course. Whereupon they are, of course, all executed for treason. Sweet justice. Sweet justice, yes. Very well deserved. <laughs> Fox playing the long game, says Ella right. Yep. Oh, Never God. wrong a fox, no, says no, Rand no, and no, Gray. No. That is the truth. That is the truth, because they will get you. They will get their revenge. Mm-hmm. And no one deserved it more than Mr. Lee, oh. man who burned down a fox house for no reason at all. Just that he doesn't like foxes. Mm-hmm. Just for spite. Mm-mm-mm. Didn't even, you know, it's not like he even was like, oh, I'm going to make myself a fox fur coat. No, he burned them. You can't even yeah. use those pelts. Yep. Just killed them. Yep. Just killed them. Just for the hell of it. Yep. Yes, so that is all of our stories, I believe. Yes, yes. it is. All right. You can find us on Google. Mm-hmm. If you Google the number three and the words Pagans and a Cat, or the number three and the letters P-A-A-C, you can also find us at the number three PagansandACat.com, where we have links to the things we do, including our Patreon, where you can help support us, which, which we very much appreciate. We very much appreciate all the support we do receive. You can also find a link to Gwyn's Patheos Pagan blog. Which I just updated today. There's a new fresh one there. About Imbolc, which is upcoming in February. Mm-hmm. God, it's that soon, isn't it? Yes, it is. February 2nd. (laughs) It's very soon. Very soon. Um, We're halfway through fucking January. I know. Absurd. Absurd. And then Gwen also has a TikTok where she does TikTok-y things, but you can't find a link to that. you got to find that one yourself. Yep. But I think that's all the things that we do, yeah? Yeah, I think so. Mm -hmm. Then we will see you again. Not next week, but, but the, the week, week after. after. Because we're on a bi-weekly schedule now. And we do appreciate all of you who are uh, sticking with us for this new schedule. Mm-hmm. So we're done. Yeah. Goodbye. Goodbye. <laughs>